I'm a natural born leader and I just want to prove to them, hey, I can hold my own. I think that women have to do that a lot. I think that there's a lot of minority groups that have to do that sometimes. It's also just a pride thing. If I'm going to be working someplace, I want to be invested in and like what I'm doing. So that's another aspect of it. Hello, what is up? And welcome to Humans of Magic, the show that gets up deep and personal with your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. I'm your host, James Sue. You are listening to episode 103 with Zbex. Zbex is the queen of MTG cosplay, an overall fabulous Magic content creator, and we are going to learn a lot of things about her today. I would love to get your support on Humans of Magic, the project. So if you have not had the chance, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both accounts can be found at Humans of Magic, one word. We also have a new Patreon, patreon.com slash humans of magic. If you want to join our exclusive Discord community, you want me to help review your podcast or content, happy to do that through the Discord and the Patreon. I have switched to a weekly release format. So Humans of Magic is always going to be free. It's always going to be a labor of love, but the Patreon is going to go a long way to cover the additional intensity of the workload. And I'm really happy to do weekly episodes. I want to get more Humans of Magic content out. So your support is always appreciated. The phenomenal music you hear in this episode and every episode of Humans of Magic is supplied by Kupla. That's spelled K-U-P-L-A. Kupla is an absolutely fantastic musician. He's a magic player, and you can find all of his music on all the streaming platforms, including Spotify and SoundCloud. Definitely give him a follow on Twitter as well, Kupla Sound, and uh, tell him Humans of Magic said hi. Today on Humans of Magic, I am here with the queen of MTG cosplay, and also... I would say the queen of MTG TikTok, Zbex, aka Zenaid Beckham. Zbex, how are you doing today? I'm fabulous. Thank you so much for having me on today. And I'm feeling fabulous too for having you because I think you just have this kind of infectious energy that uh, I think you're really one of the people that really tries to make magic positive, and it really shows in your in your work, your content. And uh, I'm really happy to have you here. So thanks for, thanks for joining. Oh, that's so sweet. So I understand you're on the West Coast. Are you, you're, you're in the West Coast of the U.S., is that right? Yes, I'm based out of Eugene, Oregon. Okay, how is uh, Eugene, Oregon these days? Um, I mean, I guess it's not a person, but uh, how is the city? Um, it's still a little bit rainy yet. Summer is going to start sometime soon. Like it's got up to like 60 seven today Woo. Uh, so that's perfect weather for being inside and playing magic uh so i played some legacy last night you know just hanging out indoors that's what we do here okay did you grow up in eugene in, in oregon or what's your situation i grew up in salem which is about an hour north but i've lived in various cities around oregon i've lived in oregon my entire life okay so uh, is Eugene the best uh, place you've lived in in Oregon so far or? 
Yeah, I like Eugene. Okay. What what's it like? Because I've I've actually never been to I've just been to Portland. So uh, of okay. course, right? Stereotypically, if you go to visit Oregon, you go to Portland. What's your um, impression of Portland? Because I feel like I can base my answer better off of what you thought of Portland. Okay. Okay. So Okay, so give you give you a little bit of background because you know that nothing about me. I, I'm assuming, right? I have to assume that. Um, right. I grew up in Canada. I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. So this is close okay. to Seattle. Uh, yeah. I'm a West Coast guy, um, so I know Seattle very well. So I like the whole weather situation, rainy stuff, in on the West Coast. It's just a a fact of life for me. Pacific Northwest. Pacific Northwest. Yes. It's, it's like, if it drizzles a little bit, you don't, you don't actually take the umbrella out. You're supposed nah. to just kind of let it fall. Never. In your head, you know, yes, that's like uh, that here. yeah. So Portland, I've been there maybe two or three times and it's always been very short. And of course it's always been just a drive, you know, from Vancouver or Seattle or wherever. And I just find that people there to be quite chill and because I kind of judge a city based on the people. It's not really about the architecture. Because let's face it, a lot of cities now are very, what's the word, like homogenous. Like they're very similar. You have the same shops and things like that. But I find the people there to be in Portland to be very chill, laid back. Um, they're not overly nice or mean. Because I like if you go to the South, then people are really, really nice. But yeah. at, at least in my experience. But yeah. Um, I think it's a good balance, right? And and of course, Portland is also kind of known for having good coffee, good gourmet places, and there's a good comedy scene. There's like good, there's there's good stuff like that. So that's basically my my impression. I think I might have watched I might have watched a comedy show or something when I was there. Have you seen Portlandia? Of course, uh, yes. Okay, Carrie okay. Carrie is one half of I, I'm a I'm a huge fan fan of uh, Slater Kinney. So. Uh, yes, I have seen Portlandia. I feel like that show came out when I lived in Portland and it could not be more ironically true. Like if you worked an office job and watched The Office, sometimes it's so damn funny because it's just so damn true. All the things. And I even worked, uh, yeah, at a, a cell phone company at the time. They had an episode about cell phones. It was like, this is uh... so true. Get out. But yeah, Portland's weird. Put a a bird on it that's all real uh mississippi street and everything they've got re really good food up there in portland way more places to choose from eugene is oregon's next best big city so salem's the capital and is about salem and eugene are always like i'm the biggest i'm the biggest whatever <laughs> yeah. uh and but eugene has the university of oregon i actually went to oregon state the other rival school in Oregon, uh, in Corvallis. So I've lived there. Uh, but I like Eugene because it's a little bit bigger. It has the Cuthbert Amphitheater that has really awesome shows in the summer. And so it definitely has a few venues that host larger artists. And it has, it's got things going on. It's, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit more progressive than Salem. I feel like Salem's got the capital there. So there's mm -hmm. that like more political stuff going on, which is fine. You know, that's great. Um, so yeah, Eugene's like, okay, Portland, the people, they're chill, right? You described that. They're probably wearing like black alt grunge, like yeah, flannel, right? That's that's the and some flannel. Yeah, that's yeah. like and some like some docks or burks or something. Yes. Like that's definitely Portland. Okay, so 
Eugene is that, but less black, add a little bit more burlap, turn the hippie up just a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, uh, growing really sustainable gardens. There's a lot of community sustainable gardens and such. Not that Portland has that stuff too. Don't get Mm. me wrong, Mm. but I feel it's like the, the consciousness of buying glass bottled things at the grocery store over plastic is like just turned up a notch. Everything's dialed up a notch because Eugene is 15 minutes away from the Oregon country fair. And if you know about that, then I feel like that's how you know the hippies turned up a little bit of a notch. If you don't, go Google that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, you're very observant. I, I think the even noticing the different shades of what people wear, I think that's like that's that's why you're doing. That's why you're like in the you're a cosplay professional <laughs> because you you have this like you you can figure these things out. You know the colors. It's like if I'm wearing a pair of jeans, it's just like these are blue jeans. You probably can name you know like <laughs> ten colors of blue or whatever it is, right? Because you need to know correct. That. You do yeah. need to know that. I do also know that Portland has on average 60 more days of rain a year than Eugene. And that really did it for me. I have the seasonal depression. That was the, that was the final nail in the coffin. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I gotta get some sunshine. So. That's, that's excellent. So yeah. I also know that you recently came back from a magic themed event in which you're queen of cosplayness was on full display right do you want to talk about that yes i attended dreamhack dallas with my booth she sparks and in attending the event i brought a few cosplays along i brought fleetfoot dancer which was my preview card for streets of nucapenna i brought galia of the endless dance and it just so happened that my friend air bubbles cosplay was like hey you should really enter the cosplay contest i was like okay i i don't really compete it, it not, wasn't I'm- it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like super hard for you to say no right or for, for yeah. you to say yes like it's it's yeah. just a little nudge right yeah yeah i had i had my cosplay there already so i entered the cosplay contest and because i'd never entered a contest before for cosplay Per the rules, I had to enter as a novice, which the judges definitely bumped me up to the next level of difficulty. Mm-hmm. They figured out quickly that this was not a novice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was great because there's a cosplay that I made in 2020. Mm-hmm. I wore in Grand Prix Phoenix, the last event before the world shut down. And so to have that cosplay, to wear it again, and then get bumped up to the next level of difficulty and then win first place and some cash money for that cosplay was really exciting. So that's, that's excellent. And by the way, I, I saw the little video of your uh, Gallia dance. I think that's the thing that separates the, the pros like you from the non-pros, right? Because the pros really get into it. Like they really get into character, right? Uh, actually, I shouldn't generalize. Maybe all cosplayers do that. But when I see cosplayers generally in an MTG event, they're kind of just standing there, but you're really leaning into the, like, I am that person or I think it's thing. a personal taste kind of thing. Some people who create are really good at getting into like nitty de- gritty details and maybe you might not notice it from afar, but maybe they're not the most extroverted person either. Mm-hmm. I definitely also love my nitty gritty details, but I'm super extroverted. I have a background in theater and pageantry and cheerleading so being getting in character is something that makes me happy and I know that definitely bringing that in 
the cosplay contest in prejudging is what helped me attain the prize. And I even up on stage, they didn't have us mic'd up or anything, but I wanted to make sure that people understood what Galia was like. So I got up there and Mm -hmm. I yelled the flavor text. There's Mm -hmm. no success like excess. Right, right. Loud enough so that even without a mic, people could 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 at least see that or hear that that's that's yes. in character awesome projecting yes projecting yeah you you i think you have have you done like voice training um like just in terms of being able to do that or is it just just a lot of practice over the years and uh i've never had any specific voice training i've been involved in choirs over the years and so i know i understand how to speak from my diaphragm uh, i definitely have interest in doing voice work in the future mm. so Okay. Okay. Voice work. Uh, are you, are you into singing as well? I am into singing. However, I would rather flex my skills on the viola or the piano. If I'm to do that, I dream of being the soprano one that I hear all of the songs in, but the truth is I'm a soprano too at Uh, best. Okay. (laughs) But you're, but you're, it sounds like you're musically trained too. So you know how to play the instruments and different instruments. Absolutely. I love music. I think music is a very important element. And if you have the opportunity to pick up any instrument and learn musical notes, you should do it and take advantage of it uh, at any age. Keep your brain active. Right, right. I definitely want to explore all of these things about you innately, like innate characters. But I also want to go back to um, your mention of She Sparks. Can you tell me more about that and what, what that organization or group is about? Absolutely. So She Sparks is a group that myself and three other Magic community members founded. We are uniting gamers everywhere for marginal communities and diversity, wanting to provide a safe space and encourage collaborative success so we can get more representation out there. Being at DreamHack was really obvious because we were a Uh, a banner of pink in a Mm -hmm. sea of black flags so to Mm -hmm. speak all of the uh you know i'll say male dominated we definitely stood out but it was cool because you could see people flocking to us and we were really well received and we can't wait to be at another dream hack event and are hoping that other uh event organizers would like to have our booth that as an installment as well excellent did did you guys have some some good conversations while you know at the booth you mentioned people coming by and flocking and like what are some particularly memorable conversations you might have had or maybe the other members have had yeah so one that was particularly memorable for me there was a uh person who was definitely older they came by and i was like yeah we're for diversity in gaming and she's like heck yes i love the pink she goes and age too so that's why i feel it's okay that i say it yeah yeah and she was like she said it's we need this everywhere she said that she was in academia and even in academia it's dominated by opposite sexes or you know it's so having something that's representation for all people, diversity. She Sparks also had a featured artist at our booth all weekend who was local to the Dallas area. Yeah, you can find her Cabinet of Ashes on Instagram. But just showing that we're not 
just promoting ourselves. We really want to highlight other members of the community and provide a platform for us all to come together and be recognized in Magic and other games too. Yeah, I think that's a great, it's a great initiative. Uh, you guys have just started, right? So it's very new. About six months ago, our first event was at MTG Vegas in November 2021. And that's when DreamHack saw us and invited us out. And we're very thankful that we were able to be at that event and also well-received. We got to be to meet a bunch of people outside of the Magic community, which was really cool to network. And the people who were there were so fabulous. Getting to connect with uh, like family, the gathering, they were there uh, and they have uh, two kids. And one of them was also in the Yeah, yeah. Contest. I follow them on Instagram. That's uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So just getting to, you know, chat with other members in the community and be there as a support, uh, you know, and Mythic Michaela was there. She's also uh, and Lady Lavinius was there. Mm. Also, Foxy yeah. Twitch, all sorts of people from the magic community just getting a meet up finally after a few years and spread our positivity yes yes um okay this might be a bit of a controversial question but have you had any like negativity towards she sparks or any 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 like criticisms that founded or unfounded like has this been fairly easy to navigate or i don't know if we've had any negativity yet but i i feel like we're at that point where hopefully as more events are being announced we can have communications with the people who we need to, and hopefully they want to feature us as something that will enhance their event and see our value. I think the community members who have spent time at our booth, learning to play magic, getting to interact with us and take photos and come through our booth and win prizes, I think that really has added to the overall experience of an event. So just manifesting whatever the world needs to make that happen to see that bring us to your event because this is something that magic needs just as much as any other gaming community does for sure yeah personally i think this is great um just a little bit of sharing on my end like i play i'm in china mainland china and in shanghai and it's like there are just not that many um female magic players or or folks who identify as female uh that play Magic. So whenever I do this, uh, I play weekly, I take some photos where we have a group photo. All the friends that I have who don't play Magic, they're like, this looks fun, but where are the, where are the girls or where are the women? And then I basically, I, this is kind of like, uh, it's kind of funny, but I, I show them, hey, I have a podcast. And look, there's women in Magic. Like they're all my podcasts. Like I, I think this year I've done maybe 12 episodes. And if, if I count you in there, I think half of the interviews are with women. And I want to tell people like there are women in magic, but it, it might not be so easy to get people to play for the first time. They might feel intimidated for whatever reasons. And I really wish that my local scene had more, but it, it is what it is. And we have to try to do better. Right. Yeah. Hopefully she sparks setting an example can inspire. And if people have questions, great resource it's so much easier now with jumpstart and pre-constructed commander decks than it was five and ten years ago i feel like the products that are available for learning are there so yeah so just just to tie a little bit back to you personally how did you even 
because I, I watched some of the other interviews people have with you. I don't think they asked you this, or maybe they did and I missed it. But how did you even get into magic in the first place? Like, what were the circumstances? Uh, my now husband, when we were dating, he played magic and I'm very competitive. So I knew. So about you're a magic. natural born spike. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. um, I'm also like half of a Timmy combo player, though, too. Uh, that's who it is, right? Was the combo player Johnny combo player. Yep. I'm like half John, half Johnny, half Spike. But yeah, so I knew about magic because my older brothers played. So I was like, reteach me how to play because I don't really remember anything. Mm-hmm. And the first time I played, I got really frustrated and I quit and I didn't play for six weeks. And then I okay. was like, okay. I'm ready to go. Losing again. sucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Losing sucks. I was like, death touch? What is this? What do you mean one point kills my six? That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It wasn't the uh, reminder text was not printed on every card, you know, right. as it is sometimes not. So then I wrote down all the keywords on a note card and I was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. I got my dictionary, my vocabulary mm-hmm. sheet. I was ready. Mm. you were you were ready yeah you're ready for the for the comeback like how long ago was that what do you remember what set or magic 2012 so it was uh in 2011 because corsets are like cars right right once a year approximately even though they're coming out with a billion sets now at least the corset is still like an annual thing right I is, is it though? I don't think we have a I, corset this year. Is, are you counting Baldur's I guess Gate I guess AFR corset? or Forgotten Realms was supposed to be kind of a corset, corset substitute. Yeah. But we don't have like a standard set this summer, which is weird. Mm-hmm. It is but. interesting. It is kind of ironic maybe that they can come up with so many sets. They should have just put out another corset, right? It's not that hard, but I don't know. Eh. Yeah. So uh, how did you, how did, how did your evolution go from like starting to play magic into getting into all these different formats and also different ways to express magic? Well, my magic cosplay started before I started getting more into competitive magic as we went to go watch a pro tour it within the first four or five months of me playing magic. I was like, I can't ask you out loud what's going on in the game in a pro Ariel setting. Mm-hmm. So I dressed up as Liliana of the Veil because she was on the picture of the local game store's window. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's really hot. So I'm going to dress like her. And that's kind of where it all started. And then I just started making a new costume. We would we'd travel, pick a city to travel to where a Grand Prix, that's what they were called back in the day, yeah. was happening. And then I'd make a costume over the course of a few weeks or months, like just as I had time in it. So I'd be, make one new costume a year. And then eventually at one event, uh, probably in 2017, I want to say, I had two different friends who approached me while I was in cosplay at Jay Ballard as excuse me, I had two friends that approached me when I was in cosplay as Jay Ballard. Mm-hmm. And they asked, why aren't you branding yourself both in different words, but they're like, mm-hmm. you're really good at this. You should be putting yourself out there. And at that point I was making new cosplays for like going to pre-release night, uh, pretty regularly. Right. And they're like, you definitely need to be like sharing this more. Cause like no one else does this. 
mm-hmm. at the time, I don't really, a lot more people do it now, which I think is fabulous. I love that people are getting into it and getting dressed up and getting creative. Right. But yeah, right. that's how it snowballed from my cosplay side. And then competitively uh, working at my family's local game store, I wanted to not just be the girl who works at the store and have some, you know, some skills behind Mm -hmm. knowledge and proof of Mm -hmm. my brilliance. Mm -hmm. So with my competitive nature, I strive for improvement every time I played and would kick people's butts. And I learned what tier two was when someone was like, I can't believe I lost to a tier two deck. And I was like, what's tier two? (laughs) (laughs) Just like that, because I had no idea. Right. You're an honest question, right? And they probably thought you were rubbing it in or something because you beat them with a tier two deck. Yeah. And they like growled and walked away. And someone's like, oh, it means that your deck was like less good than theirs, but you still won. I was like, cool. There you go. Yeah. That's kind of how that started. And so then I found I wanted to try other formats I like legacy the best because it has some really cool interactions and I like it a lot better than modern modern just makes me mad for some reason I don't like how you have to fetch shock and start at 17 life to have a three color deck so it's much easier for the burn decks which is also probably why burn is better in that format I think yeah yeah. Which you can, I played Legacy Burn to learn it, and it's a great way to learn the format and learn mm-hmm. what decks are out there. There's other budget decks that you can play nowadays too, but Legacy Burn is not nearly as good because you're just dice rolling. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Although <laughs> I think, I think, like, I think Burn players get a bad rap as well because I have played against some really good Burn players, and you're just like, what hit me? You know, like, because there's there's also this kind of stereotype where people will just judge a burn player like you know they're playing a tier two deck or whatnot, but actually the really good burn players they actually they know what to play around and they know how you have to, to know what to hit. They know the mental game behind it. I think that's mm-hmm. really key. So yes. Yeah. Um, okay, I have so many questions. I'm going to go back to something you said, okay. which is the Liliana cosplay. Yes. Was that the first time you did cosplay? Yes. Well, so yes, in the sense of cosplay. Now I have there's like a blurry line between, I guess, dressing up versus dressing up for magic or something. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I've I've, I have a dance background, so I know how to sew my own costumes. So I had made Halloween costumes before or in the festival scene, I made party outfits before. So I've it's not my first time designing something, but definitely cosplaying outside of halloween okay so it's the first first, capital c cosplay that's correct okay okay but it does make it maybe a bit uh smoother to transition right because it's not like you've never had to put together a costume before and i assume that you use like really good materials uh see i'm not a cosplayer so it's like really good materials and you know exactly what kind of stitching or what kind of things you want on on the thing right Definitely had some knowledge coming into it that helped me. And I didn't use any of that the first time I dressed up. I wore a purple cocktail dress. Like Liliana has a full length evening gown or like it has a slit up the center. No, I just had a short 
spaghetti strap cocktail dress, but I did wear a black wig and I had black mm-hmm. gloves and I had the black tights that had like the lacing up. So it kind of looked like the boots, but yep. it was not boots. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the first time I did it, it would be, you know, an amateur cosplay. If I was entering in the novice category, they probably would have left me in the novice category, which is fine because right. I was a novice, but I've learned a lot over 10 years 11 years almost of cosplaying Mm -hmm. and definitely improved my skills my equipment all sorts of things do you have any advice for people who are wanting to get into cosplay for the first time absolutely uh for those wanting to get into cosplay for the first time you should just start you should think about what your goal is as in what character you want to be, when you want to wear this cosplay. Like, say it's June right now, and the con in Oregon, Rose City, is in September. So that's three months. If I choose to make a 200-hour armor build for my first cosplay that I've never tried any of that before, am I going to stress myself out? Those are things to think about. So know yourself and don't kill yourself in preparing. Exactly. Versus like, you know, if you just want to, you should just try it. If you want to try that 200 armor build, go for it. And if you don't finish it, wear your freaking paladrons, your armor that you have finished, adjust it. So it's like a half casual cosplay, do a mashup, whatever. People will love it. Just rock it, have an experience. You have to start somewhere. That's why I'm like, just do it, play to your strengths, but be realistic. I guess that's my best advice is just, you got to do it. You got to start sometime. And then I can look back and be like, yeah, I was totally a novice straight up, but I felt awesome doing it the first time. And that's what made me continue doing it. Right on. I think what you're saying is something that I can relate to, which is that if you want to do any kind of creative work, we often paralyze ourselves by overthinking it. Like it has to be perfect or, you know, you put these sort of limits on yourself, but really what you should do is just go out and do it. Even if your first podcast or YouTube video or cosplay is not perfect, you should just do it and not worry about the mic quality or something or the video quality. Um, at, at least that's my takeaway. I, hopefully I haven't, I haven't uh, misrepresented what you said. I, I agree. Just like any type of content creation, you can go back on my YouTube channel and look at my first YouTube videos. And I have really bad mics and really bad video quality and some like misspellings on graphics. But it's great because that's content that I can go back and either say, hey, what now as a viewer, as I'm going back, and looking at it stands out to me that I need to improve that might be easy or maybe is a goal when I have more funds because, you know, maybe you don't have money for a new mic. So you make do and figure out some adjustments you can make, maybe turn off a fan that happened to be on or something, moving your mic away from your computer fan, whatever you just got, then you have that to go back or same thing with cosplay. You can be like, oh, well, I didn't add the detail here, but maybe I want to go back like my Nissa World Waker cosplay I made originally in 2015 and then in 2019 I revisited her and made a bunch of updates because I could so mm-hmm. yeah make her it's, better. it's like upgrading a magic deck you start by maybe the the basics yeah. and you can bling it out over time right 
yeah, it, it, then you have something to play with. You can sit down and play with your friends. Do you have all of the shock lands or the fetch lands or the dual lands if we're going crazy? No, but that's okay. You're still able to join the magic game or creative process, the community, whatever yeah. it might be. I think you're spot on. The other thing you said, which I really like, is just, you know, when you mentioned the shoulder pads, it's like have a contingency plan. Like if it, if you don't exactly hit that mark in three months, like what can you fall back on? Right. Because I, I feel like a lot of the times in the world, like we're really caught up in our own perfection, but other people will not even notice. So it's like, if you don't have this, um, this shoulder thing or this arm thing, perfect, I'm sure other cosplayers would maybe notice, but like most people won't. So just like, don't try to be actually, maybe you are trying to be perfect now, but maybe for beginners, like don't try to be perfect and have a backup plan. Right. Yeah. Just know that mistakes will happen. The best part about making mistakes is there an opportunity to learn and see how you can improve. And you might make a mistake again and fail again before you figure out how to do it yeah. that, a way that works. Another thing I want to explore based on what you said is when you worked at the, the card shop and you kind of wanted to show them like, okay, I'm, I'm a woman who works at a card shop. I can play magic too. Do you think that's something in your personality, just wanting to prove people wrong? Yes, I'm a natural born leader. So I'm not going, I can sense when people think that they might be able to be better or something. And I just want to prove to them, hey, I can hold my own. I think that women have to do that a lot. I think that there's a lot of minority groups uh, that have to do that sometimes. But it's also just a pride thing. If I'm going to be working someplace, I want to be invested in and like what I'm doing. So that's another aspect of it. And it's really fun. So that's a big bonus. Okay. Yeah. It can be fun to, uh, to level up, prove people wrong and, uh, kind of, kind of thing, <laughs> to, right? To play magic. Yeah. To play magic. Sorry. I'm putting words in your mouth. But... <laughs> yep. Uh, you said natural yeah, I born. I was thinking so... it. You said it. So <laughs> exactly. I said it, not you, but you said natural born. So you think it was just kind of from the get go, or do you think you're maybe influenced by the world around you? Kind of a nature versus nurture question. I do think I was born as a leader. I have many experiences where I've been able to rally friends and family for common good. Uh, I, I've done a lot of leading like in college and even at old jobs, I got sent to like a leadership conference and okay. So I feel like people have always been like, uh, in a lot of things that I do in life, people are like, wow, you actually did it. Nobody else followed through. Like, I didn't like, that's pretty cool. I'm like, mm -hmm. I mean, that was what we were supposed to do. <laughs> how do you think you, how do you think you evolved as a leader? Like, cause I think, I think leadership to me is like, there's different aspects to it, but maybe, maybe who you were as a leader in high school will be different than now. How do you think, how would you describe yourself in that sense? Uh, I definitely, if we go back to high school, it's funny because I was a leader in ways like being on governing board, which is definitely a leadership program in school, organizing assemblies. And 
I was uh, cheerleading. However, I didn't think of myself as a popular kid. I was involved in lots of activities like orchestra and French. And, you know, I did things like getting our English teacher to let us have pizza delivered and watch Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know. Okay. I have, just rally people to do stuff. Right. Um, so I, I don't I didn't think of myself as popular, but after high school, people are like, you were popular. Everybody knew who you were, but I wasn't ever the one being nominated for homecoming court or, you know, things like that. So that's where I didn't think I was popular, but other people perceived me as popular. So I think I've always had a level of confidence that is something that I stepped into more once I left my hometown. When you, if you get an opportunity to break away from where you grew up in high school and you have to meet all new people, it's a, definitely an opportunity to reestablish yourself if you ever move to a different city and just being confident and I don't know, not having any, any labels attached to you because in high school, if you're in any of those programs, cheerleader, whatever that can, people, orchestra dork, whatever that can have like yeah, some stigmas. Labels, around it. Sure. Yeah. So I, I think it sounds like, okay. So first of all, it sounds like you got a chance to reset because you're in a new environment. I think no matter what age you are, even if you move to a new city now, you have an opportunity to do that, to kind of, um, to, to in a radical way, I guess, I, in my words, like reinvent yourself in a way. Um, but also I think it's cool that in those days, like you were essentially leading by doing right. Because I think there's people that are popular just because they're good looking, or I'm not saying some, you know, I'm not trying to make judgments on how people look, but it's like totally. in high school, it's totally like that. It's like how, how you're physically like you're automatically popular. You can sit at this table or lunch table with other people who are also good looking and uh, or maybe like you're very talented, like, OK, uh, you know, uh, Linda's the singer or something like that. Right. But but I think yeah. I think you're just kind of getting out there and just getting doing stuff. So you're popular by through the, the, the right way, which is popular by actually putting yourself out there and organizing stuff and being in front of things. Right. That's what it sounds like to me. Thank you. That's a very nice way of putting it. And I, I would agree. It's being involved and participating in community events uh, and, you know, just having a good time. Yeah. Did you associate yourself particularly with one group? Because you had mentioned like, you know, the, the are, were you the cheerleader? Were you the, the, the popular kid? Were you uh, definitely not the popular kid, but or you didn't think of yourself that way. But um, did you lean towards like one of the clicks or one of the designations? Inside your own um, mind, right? I definitely, it's kind of weird because I felt like I was, <sighs> here's the weird thing. So I went to a different elementary school than everybody, like, and they all went to, uh, when I came to middle school, we moved. So, oh, so nobody from had... before knew who you were basically. Yeah. So my middle school time, I was, I feed it into the middle school that did feed into my high school. So my parents, even though I wasn't moving until the second year of middle school, there was three years in middle school. Um, I 
was, yeah, I was, I was, I had a new identity in sixth grade being 10 years old, having to meet all new kids. And that was kind of weird being thrown in. And so I always felt like the outsider, which is weird to say, even though I was involved in a bunch of stuff, I always felt like there were different groups of kids that had gone to the different elementary schools that all knew each other and all played in the neighborhood each other. And I lived out where the city bus didn't go. Okay. So, <laughs> so getting in high school, convincing people to spend gas money to drive out to pick me up because I was also a year younger than everybody. Yeah. So I didn't have my license. I was like, you know, come on. You no, that's a lot back then. I, I can imagine like when I was that age, like that that's a lot to ask of your friends, right? <laughs> right. And yeah. it takes so long to get out there. They don't want to spend time in the night when you have curfew driving out to pick up Sinead. So I definitely felt like in some ways an outsider. And like, I just marched to the beat of my own drum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I, I wasn't an outsider in the sense that I was shunned in any way. Or as I said, I, I had a lot of people who I considered my friends in high school. Um, but I just was like, whatever, it's kind of probably why I do so well with the internet and social media in general. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to be here existing. You can think whatever you want, but it doesn't really matter because I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I think, I think you, the reason I love asking people about that is just because I think, I, I think we all, I think we can, we can admit it, right? Like who our experiences as, as kids or when we were younger definitely informs a lot of how we behave and, and who we are today. Like you can't really deny that whether good or bad, that's just the way it is. So um, thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. and my curiosity is going to lead me to ask the next question, which is who is your favorite high school teacher and why? Uh, my favorite high school teacher, it's gotta be, a, a a tie between like Madam Nixon, my French teacher. She was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I would do dumb stuff and like say French with a Texas accent. She'd be like, stop that. Cause it's just not like, French it's really accent. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it's awful because it's then it's slaughtering the French accent even right. more. She's like, you know how to speak correctly. Stop that. Yeah. Um, and then I also had an amazing English teacher, not the one who I convinced to get pizza in, uh, but uh, I can't think of her name. It was apparently blanking from me but so much that I did take another English elective class my senior year at Greek mythology just to fill my schedule because I thought her teaching was really cool so so being more specific like what what was really good about their teaching or just being around them I feel like their teaching style allowed more group activities and breakaways which for me having to sit in a desk and just sit forward for so much time like we would rearrange our desks and like break into groups of twos or break into groups of threes and fours obviously with French that's or any language class that's necessary so you can practice having conversational moments or practicing reading out of textbooks with another student and then come back but even in the English classes that I took from the other lady it was you know, taking that turns of reading out loud of a book and then stopping to talk about it as a group, as opposed to where everybody's involved and you're not 
feeling tired, keeping my attention more and more. I've never thought I have ADHD, but more and more as I see TikToks come up, I'm like, oh my gosh, that applies to me. Oh yeah. my gosh. Like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> this is reality, right? Yeah. yeah I'm like, I, I relate to this. <laughs> so it, they must be good people too, right? Just, just yeah. hopefully ideally kind people. And I gotta say they also both played movies in their class, which, okay. you know, both the like Romeo and Juliet movies or great expectations or whatever, mm. or in the Greek mythology to the French films, like uh, Count of Monte Cristo and some other really funny ones with these two French dudes that are comedians. I don't know. We watched a ton of that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I think that getting to watch TV in class, that's awesome. <laughs> that That is. Although I, my experience is a little bit more less desirable. Like I remember the only teacher that let us watch a movie in, in, in class growing up in Canada in high school was our drama teacher. I think I did drama in maybe eighth or ninth grade. And uh, he made us watch The Shining. So oh. <laughs> well, I think I might have had a I might have had a nightmare or two because I had never watched that movie and just watching the the red rum sequence and the uh, the the creepy stuff that was happening in the movie was uh, and of course Jack Nicholson was uh, was kind of he was also telling us a lot about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That this is really <laughs> dating me, but he was really into that show. I was not, and I was I was very much like into the x-files and other stuff yeah at that time. i liked sci-fi for some reason the vampires were always harder for me to get into i wasn't yep. a buffy fan yeah yeah yep. and uh uh actually my favorite high school teacher was not that teacher my favorite high school teacher was also uh my english teacher and that was in grade 12 and i think i actually ended up doing the english literature minor in university because of her so i ended up studying computer engineering or computer science uh coding programming but i i did the minor in english lit just because i she really put something in me like just just love of books and reading so that was like super memorable so shout out to uh miss densford uh who where'd you grow up vancouver canada that's right that's right yeah yeah so that was like very that's the other thing too i find is that the really good teachers are just like they just change your life uh, to be quite hyperbolic about it. Like they really like change something about my interests and how I, how I look at things. So hence the question. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. That was a really big detour. So let's go back to <laughs> the magic stuff. Z-Bex is like, what the heck is this? This is, this is like, That's cool. yeah, yeah. And then um, deep dive. Deep, deep dive. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then I, I, the legacy thing. So your favorite legacy deck is what show and tell sneak and show. Yeah, Sneak and Show. Okay, so tell me why you love that deck. So I love that deck because I love cheating out big creatures. I've noticed that that has is unapparently my play style. I gravitate towards it in every format, apparently. Mm -hmm. So getting to cheat out Emrakul and Grizzle Daddy into play is very enjoyable for me, especially on turn one or turn two. I win and i also like having the force of will that's one of my favorite cards mm -hmm. in all of magic it's so yeah. great free counter spell protect your stuff yeah <sighs> yeah so having that up on people's turn one plays on the draw it's just like nope mm -hmm. i still got you without any land down in front of me so i like having that 
And it's a lot of fun to have a deck with lotus petals. Uh, mm-hmm. Fast you know, mana. Yeah. Fast mana. Yeah. So that's been a great deck for me for quite a few years. And especially when the Vancouver Mulligan came into effect. Mm-hmm. That made the deck even better. I was already on it at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I play more decks than just that as well. But that's one of my favorite decks to just pick up and play yep. whenever. And and you're you also do legacy content, right? I know you do a lot of content, yeah. but legacy lounge is one of the the things you do, right? Heck yes. I host the legacy lounge on my Twitch channel. I'll usually schedule a few guests and have a couple weeks of different legacy games, either before commander, after commander, or just on its own. And then I re-upload them to YouTube. They're just raw, but I just want to expose more people to legacy if they want to go back and search some decks. I have people on there who have some budget builds. I have people on there that have some awesome, amazing legacy decks that they play. Uh, And you get to see me play some different decks that I have and just see how the matchup goes. And we just talk it out. It's pretty casual because I want people to feel comfortable with the format. And that's kind of my whole thing is just making people feel fabulous. And legacy is more accessible than it used to be. I feel like there mm-hmm. are, dual lands are more expensive than they used to be, but there are more decks that have monocolored mana bases or only need certain cards, um, you know, that can easily convert from a modern deck and you can grow into a legacy deck if you decide you love the format Mm -hmm. so i just want to encourage more people to play it because it's a format i love and people say legacy is dying and that ain't true (laughs) so it's still your favorite paper format because i saw your tweet it's yeah still has legs yeah don't 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 count out legacy folks anyone listening i'm i'm a huge proponent of legacy as well so that's why the questions what's kinda... your favorite deck to play in legacy well it's a very boring answer i like to play the fun police which is delver so oh, okay. it's like the um the arch enemy of many combo decks like sneak and show back when i played uh before death right shaman got banned my pet deck was sultai bug Mm-hmm. uh before or sneak and show even uh yep. and i freaking ran uh umazata umazawa's gta in mm-hmm. my main board mm-hmm. just for people like you yes Delver, it's very Delver hard players. for delver to deal with certain <laughs> things like an artifact that can be recur equal <laughs> creatures um yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, I, I love all kinds of legacy decks as well. I've been playing legacy since 2008. So uh, nice. it's been just different things. I've tried almost every major deck, including Storm. And I think my favorite deck of all time is actually Zoo, even though it's oh, obsoleted. Yeah. I, Zoo? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, with the Wild Nakato. Yeah. Uh, I like to go Kurt big Ape. sometimes with the Kurt Apes, the Step Links, sometimes for the Landfall version. <laughs> I played yeah. my first GP was Legacy Providence, which was when they, I think it was like when they just banned Mental Missteps. So that that's like going way back. Mm. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that's um, yeah. Now I just play boring old Delver. But um, I, my favorite deck of all time was definitely Zoo because I qualified like that was back when you could earn three buys at a GP for just finishing yeah. in your local event, and I won my local with zoo and so i i had um okay here's my stop story right nobody wants to hear the bad beat story but this is kind of funny like okay i started off three zero because of the buys and yes i went i went six and oh 
Uh, and at one point, at that point in tournament, I was probably on the top of the leaderboard. And then sob story, the wheels came, fell down and I didn't even make day two, <laughs> but it was a really fun experience because we did a, my friends and I did a, a road trip. So we went from, we, we, we flew from Vancouver to Buffalo, New York. Then we drove from Buffalo, New York to Providence, Rhode Island. So mm-hmm. it, we stopped by Washington, D.C., New York City. So it was a really, really fun event for, for young me back then. And it was really, really memorable, you know, because it's about the nice. gathering, right? So. It is. Big events are a lot of fun. Um, I have a similar kind of story. I had only one buy because at this point they had changed it so that only pros got three buys and if you won your local event you got two and I had or if you had like so many planeswalker points you could have two or one and I have enough planeswalker points to have one buy so I did have one buy and they they wizards of the coast had just made the announcement that they were no longer going to be having it be seven and two cut to day two, that they were going to change it to six and three, right. but it would start at the beginning of the next season. Right. And the event that I was playing in was the last event of the former season. So it's like, everybody's like, yeah, it's six and three. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's seven and two. I still played it out, but I lost that last mm. round. And so I finished six and three and people are like, you made it. I'm like, no, I didn't make it. <laughs> We're like, I thought it changed. And I'm like, yeah, not it yet. was not quite the cutoff yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I did make legacy. Uh, I did make day two for my first time ever with a legacy deck. Okay. Um, so, you know, legacy is the best format. It, it is. I'm still <laughs> chasing that legacy day two GP because I have tried a couple times over the years and I went basically like six, three. And I was like, the winning in didn't happen in day one. Um, basically, when legacy GPs come back, knock on wood, when, after I day two a GP, I will retire as an Agi player. I will just like, I'm done. Uh, you know, there, I'll just go out on top. Uh, of course, that's, that's my goal, right? It's going to be, it'll be hey, glorious. Fabulous. You, you can do it. Uh, I've, I've got confidence in you, especially with the return of the pro tour here and such. And I, I got a couple of day twos under my belt and yeah, I mean, I don't usually compete in the main event anymore because I'm just busy floating around in cosplay doing other things. So right. you, you can do it. I believe in you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. Um, I also want to ask you just what does the, what does fabulous mean to you? Cause I mean, that's something that you, you know, I think it's a part of your, your, your magic manifestation like what can you break it down like what it means because it's there's the word fabulous but i think i think there's a a natural connotation to the word but how does it actually uh represent itself in a little bit more detail so let me start off by telling you about zbex's law of fab step one look fabulous step two be fabulous step three Repeat steps one and two. Okay, so that's like they're like this is like second. Fight Club, but like the fabulous version, right? <laughs> exactly. But we can talk about it. Uh, so step one, look fabulous, doesn't necessarily mean you have to look like fabulous, perfect. Like right now, I look fabulous, even though I'm wearing no makeup, and I'm really happy we're not using this video. But mm-hmm. you know, if you decided to randomly put something in I would be like I guess whatever (laughs) because (laughs) I know that I look fabulous I feel confident in so it's a mindset thing yeah and it's in the clothes that you 
choose to wear. So that looking fabulous is more about telling yourself that you look fabulous and being confident in your choices. And it does help if you're going out in public to look somewhat put together, whatever that means to you, you know, like, you know, if you don't have the crumpled up clothes that you picked up off your floor and you took them off a hanger. This is a life lesson for magic players right here. Yeah. yeah. My words, not yours. (laughs) You know, life lessons for anybody. We all have to learn how to continue being hashtag adulting and get better at it as we're going on. You know, we all, we all have our struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, But so then step two, be fabulous. That's really about the inward coming out and how you are interacting with other people in the world, how you are behaving. Are you being kind to others? It doesn't necessarily mean like jumping up and going out of your way to just like open the door for every single person walking through, but it's about being respectful to yourself. And if you are near a door and you see someone coming with their hands full, you can be observant and present and open it and be fabulous. And, you know, so, but also being fabulous and knowing that looking fabulous is knowing how much you can give as well. So that being said, you have to take care of yourself first. That's why it's mm-hmm. look fabulous. Mm-hmm. And then it's be fabulous. Cause it's once you're feeling fabulous, you can spread that to other people and then you just repeat it. So B B becomes a kind of doing as well and actions. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I think you're kind of living those, those values, right? Maybe you can talk a bit about the the giving aspect and what you have done for the community. Absolutely. I think being fabulous is setting an example. And I did start a charity initiative over the month of May. Um, And I will be doing more of these. I'm just working with local charities and using my platform to do good. So for example, I chose community supported shelters, which here in Eugene provides uh, housing for unhoused persons and helps them get connected with community programs, whether they need help getting IDs or medical help or drug therapy, whatever it is, um, job interviews, that sort of thing. And it provides a community and a safe space with locked doors, locked storage things, Mm -hmm. things that people need to feel secure when you're in a situation where you're unhoused and don't have your security. So little things like that, we raised over $1,900 in the month of May for community supported shelters. That was just me posting on social media, talking about it on my Twitch stream. And I just wanted to do something to give back in my backyard. And I have given to other large charities as well. Once a year, I do the Extra Life, which is a children's miracle network uh, fundraiser, uh, raising money for sick kids. You get a game all day, same idea, raise money. And that's kind of what inspired me to take it and do it on my own at a local level. And that's something anybody could set up. You could find something that you see as a problem in your area that you'd like to improve and set out to see if you can raise some money, set a goal. And if you have something that you can offer, like I had some goodies from my partner, Ultra Pro, and my family's game store, Addictive Behaviors, that I formed into a little gift basket to put together and give away. Was there something that provided kind of a personal motivation for you to help the community? 
I just feel like as my platform continues to grow, I want people to see that besides playing magic, there's more to life than just that. And there's a lot of different platforms that one could take. There's a lot of different people who need money and help in the world right now. So I think that it's important that if there's something that you're passionate about or something that you see in your area, and that's why I'm just doing little fundraisers for, um, uh, you know, short periods of time, because there's so many groups I want to help and contribute to. I fundraised for Trans Lifeline back in April as well for a week um, and raised $800 for them. So it's just there's so many things to bring awareness to and so many good things that we can do. And as my celebrity, my minor gaming celebrity continues to grow, I want people to be inspired and understand what fabulous is. And if I can be an example for that and make other people do good things, then that is successful to me. That's but being the leader, awesome. like I said, being a leader. naturally. That's that's great because I, I'm asking these questions also because like I'm trying to do more as well. I'm a very small time content creator. I'm not anywhere on your level or others levels, but I, I I do think about like how I am thinking about like how I can do more. And I think the positivity and uh, I need to I need to lean more into being fabulous. I need to wake up and just decide like to be fabulous. I think I think it's a mindset thing. So I think that's uh, that's really important. Yeah, it is important. Yeah. If you're having a bad day, you should definitely ask yourself if you've had a glass of water, if you've had a glass, uh, anything to eat, if you've brushed your teeth, if you've had a shower, have you met your basic needs? Yeah. Because don't try to do anything before you've checked off that really basic list. I think it's also challenging. I mean, uh, hopefully I'm not projecting uh, too much, but I think it's also challenging to be fabulous or to be a, a very positive person in MTG, which I think you are, because <laughs> there are days where it's harder to exist than others. And uh, I think you've been... The magic Twitter discourse is non-freaking it is the, It is the opposite of wholesome. I'll just put it that way. So, I mean, how do you, how do you motivate yourself through those <laughs> kinds of things? Or just... Because I think also just being... Um, I've talked to a lot of um, women in magic and it's just like you really can't be a public female personality without somebody coming after you, whether it's other women or just a random troll comic book guy on the internet. And so that must be pretty hard too, right? So it must be like, would you say it's hard to stay happy and fabulous through I guess a decade of that now, right? Um, it definitely, I have had some days where I have made a post that has rubbed a group of people the wrong way. And it's been very upsetting to me that people think that I had poor motive, but mm -hmm. usually I'll get when people's, it's only happened like once or twice, but mm -hmm. I've had people then who have followed me and be like, I don't think, I know you didn't mean it like this. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like when things like that happen, no matter who you are, I think it's kind of best just to chill out for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but being happy and fabulous is just something that I do. I 
think I've been able to keep that over the past decade because I don't pay attention to certain channels of social media. I do not have a Reddit account. I never read Reddit. That is very (laughs) good for your mental sanity, I would say. Yeah. Um, I will say I get the comments of cringe pretty regularly, but whatever. That's just Gen Z getting so grossed out with my millennial humor i'm like that's a compliment from you i've also Mm. always been very much though the the person though that's like loud and or something in public or Mm. not all the time but people will be like wow you're loud or they like they say something that's like oh that shirt's weird Mm. and i i've always just been like thank you (laughs) (laughs) just lean into it yeah yeah so you noticed i'm so happy you noticed you know type thing so uh i guess having that demeanor already in real life has helped me just go and in the beginning i definitely try to reply to every comment nowadays i definitely don't have time especially with my larger reach to reply Mm -hmm. to every comment Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times like people will come to my defense or say something like if trolls do come along, they'll have said something before I've even had a chance to read it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Well, it's past then. I kind of just keep on like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. I, I think it's also important just as a creator to remind ourselves that it's a marathon, right? So you have to, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of weather the storm. Like there will be ups and downs. There'll be people coming at you. Uh, sometimes we do make mistakes. Um, and that's just, that's just par for the course, right? It's just, you just have to be, you just have to make sure you keep playing the game. I I don't mean game in a bad way, but just like, you got to keep doing what you do and hopefully you believe in what you do. So that that's what really matters more than what some person who um, it's like that Taylor Swift quote, right? I think she says something like, don't let people that I'm paraphrasing, but like, don't let someone who doesn't know you define you or something like that. Yeah. Well, and what you said about you doing you and you believing in what you do, I think that's especially true because if that's another way that I've been able to stay positive over the past decade is I, you can choose to engage in the discourse and still be positive, but I have other things that I like to post about regularly, whether it's sharing my cosplays or sharing MTG makeup, or I'll ask a weird question. Like if you were traveling around the world, what magic card would you bring with you? If you could have a companion, I don't know, some weird, weird, weird crap like that. I'll just make up stuff and engage with the community in a way. I'll do that a lot of times when there's a subject that I really don't care about. Like when the proxy conversation comes up again or the Uh CEDH drama comes up all Uh the time or whatever, then I'll just be like, well, I'm going to change the conversation and talk about this. And you can actually, once you have a a community of a couple of people, you can Mm -hmm. actually get the conversation changed sometimes on Twitter. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think people, people appreciate that too, because if someone else is a, you know, reading the tweets of whatever the topic du jour is, then they're probably also happy to have a diversion and talk about their favorite time travel experience or their favorite (laughs) magic format. Um, Yeah, I I think that you and Andrea Mangucci are very good at that and just keeping it positive because um, it's like, because I think I think everything we do on the internet is a choice, right? Like you, you can decide to engage or not to engage. And people sometimes lose track of the fact that you don't have to engage with every single 
piece of discourse out there, right? You, yeah. you, you, can, you can go in your own lane kind of thing. I love being compared to Andre. We follow each other on TikTok and I do enjoy how things that he posts are things like being in the top eight or he'll yeah. show an or, MTGO uh, clip. Gucci cuisine or something, right? Gucci cuisine, exactly. Talking about actual Italian stuff during Nuka Penna and how to mm-hmm. say cabaretti properly. Like oh, different yeah, things that, that yeah. aren't, that are just not the, the silly arguments that are rehashed every day <laughs> mm-hmm. different kinds of silly yeah, it's, yeah it can be silly fun um yes. okay i do i would i would be rather remiss if i did not ask you about this stuff because i am intensely curious curious about your your tiktok i am yes. I, I i i think we have to talk about it you might be the first tiktok personality i've had on this show um i don't consider Manguchi to be one, even though I've had him on the podcast because he didn't have a TikTok back then. Um, no, I think I might have a few more followers than him on there. I, I think you're doing very well there. You're trending towards 100K followers. And there's just something about, there's a kind of like, this is me like being kind of a cultural critic. There's like something very natural about the way you do your TikToks and you just have a lot of good expressive ideas. And the short video format seems very well suited for you. Like, I think it's, it's, there's something you've, you've found this sort of, you've managed to, to use a magic analogy, like tap into this, <laughs> this energy. And I, I, I kind of want to know, maybe let me turn this into a question, right? Like, how did you get started on TikTok or kind of realizing that this is a platform that you want to be on? So I got started on TikTok when it was called Musical.ly because I have a group of ladies that we like to enjoy wine together. And one of them has a daughter. She had kids sooner than the rest of our group. So her daughter is like nine or 10 at this point. And she knows that I know games and social media apps. So my friend Karen is like, Zanade, I need you to help check out this app Musical.ly that's on my phone because my daughter downloaded it and I need to know what she's getting into. (laughs) So truthfully, I totally credit uh, Karen's daughter, Kate. The the younger generation introducing you. Yeah, because I was like watching her mouth the lyrics to Havana and like through the camera and she had all the transitions and I was like, what? Like, this is cool. Like, I want to get into this. So then I had it downloaded on my phone for like probably a year and I'd go into it and I'd be really confused. And then when it was changed to TikTok, I, I started using it again. Um, cause I was like, I think I want to create on here. And I started using it in November or December of 2019. So right before the pandemic, I I was on it just before the like influx of people that joined mm-hmm. um so i feel like that definitely helped that i was on it before the masses and like right when, time right place kind of thing yeah mtg tiktok was real small i think uh alex kessler and chase manicurves uh were two of the only other people that i can think of who made had content on there before me there might have been other people but that's the only people that i remember seeing mm-hmm. um yeah so I just started making content, my YouTube videos at the time I was, I had a goal to make one YouTube video a week. And then I was doing that and, uh, my TikTok videos, which would take me no time to make where my YouTube videos, I was spending like 30 minutes to an hour and then more time editing them. And 
everything, I was getting all these views and followers. So that was really encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. And then also that's when the pandemic started is mm-hmm. when I really started having a viral moment on TikTok. Like one of my third or fourth videos, I'd say went viral. It had like a hundred thousand views. Wow. Really popped. Okay. Yeah. So the, you can really dance thing that goes back and forth. I used Galia of the endless dance. Um, and I had both myself and my husband playing the same deck. And then at the end I changed into cosplay. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I was just like, this is a fun way I can use my cosplay while I'm stuck at home. And I love fashion and beauty. So Mm -hmm. I, some of my most popular videos starting out were like outfits for the different guilds of guilds of Ravnica and I actually need to like revisit that and do that again probably mm, for yeah. you know I did the makeup for new Capenna crime mob families but I'm ready to do some more outfits so yeah that's really cool I feel like you've sort of first of all you're willing to experiment from the beginning but secondly you you managed to tap into these because I think TikTok, um, I'm sorry, I sound like an old man like saying this stuff, but this is like what I read because I don't go on TikTok a lot. But, um, you know, I think it's it's like you have to have a gift in TikTok of just tapping into the trends and just kind of figuring out what's the current trend and just kind of going with it. So um, but I think it's also just about consistency too, like what we talked about before. It's like you got to be willing to just put out content and just see what see what lands kind of thing right yeah and I like also having I have some educational moments on there too like I have a lot some a lot of learn to play magic content on there and I answer questions about decks or magic's history excellent excellent so I mean what what's the what does the future hold for zbex and tiktok like just just keep just get to a million followers or like what's the what's the end game or is there end game um, you know, TikTok has a lot of cool features. Uh, it would be really cool. Once you get to a hundred thousand, you can get into not just like, there's like the creator program, which is like the one that people are like, whatever about, but uh-huh. then there's a different program that you can get into. Um, so that'd be cool. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that actually interests me, but once I, I feel like once I hit a hundred thousand followers, just more doors are going to unlock. Obviously right. then my next goal right. is going to be like 500,000 yeah. or a million, yeah. but, but I feel like I have a lot of youthfulness to me. It's funny that you said that you're like an old man and you're not on TikTok because I'm people think people who find me on TikTok think that I'm a lot younger than I am. Think that I'm the same age as them, which is very flattering it's the energy it's the useful energy <laughs> yeah um and you know you can you can see that i really like talking about magic and i like talking about cosplay so i want to keep sharing my passions and inspiring others and the more people that i can reach and include in my fab fam my fabulous family for those of you who aren't following me yet please do um, follow <laughs> yeah, so I'm even giving away a commander deck when I reach a hundred thousand on TikTok. I have three different pre-cons I haven't opened yet that you can choose from. All so. right, somebody out there is making ten thousand TikTok accounts right now and just Heck yes. follow you. Uh, sorry, don't no, don't do that. Don't don't get banned from TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, how does it compare to Insta? Because you're also on there, and I think you're also doing a good job on there, and you're also an influencer. So, like, how how would you 
like i feel like this is kind of like the old man learning like the millennial platforms moment right here but like for me to learn but how 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 do you how do they compare for you okay so it's totally like any memes you've seen where facebook is like where you only have your family members and instagram yeah. is where like you show your best looking pictures that are like maybe super edited and then <laughs> tiktok is where you're actually real Real. And I, I enjoy TikTok even, I feel like the reason I have more of a following on TikTok and I've been able to grow more on TikTok is because I share, I share things that I shared in my Instagram story before, but those things disappeared after 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And I am starting to share that same content, some of it on my Instagram, but I feel like I'm more selective because Instagram's more picky. Like they don't want you to post like the too often or they think you're a spam robot yeah you know it's like where the TikTok, algorithm. yeah yeah stupid algorithms and even instagram used to be like the photo thing and instagram creators have been having an issue like the past few weeks months where photo engagement is down because instagram's trying to compete with tiktok mm -hmm. and there's like shorts. tweaking the the internal levers and yep. things like that yeah. so you, that's a, something that's important to remember if you're on these apps it's not your content everybody's experiencing that but tiktok i feel like no matter what i'm talking about I'll, i can share stuff about my plants or about walking my dog in the park mm -hmm. or just doing dances which i've mentioned a couple of times i have a dance background so i love getting on and just showing off that i know how to do these moves and uh i can talk about my makeup i can talk about my hair i can put any of those videos out i can I can catalog them in a little menu, which is really a nice feature in TikTok. Right. You know, if you're wanting to find all of my MTG makeup looks I've done, there's a little tab that you can mm -hmm. find all my TikTok videos. Um, so TikTok, I feel like is just like where you can find more of a community where Instagram is like, yeah, if I was, you know, needing to promote a portfolio or something instagram is more something that i might share like this is my cosplay work because it's mm -hmm. a lot easier just to see here's different pictures like it's got to be it's designed to be more monodimensional right it's like okay i am x and then that's instagram lets you do x <laughs> and tiktok i don't worry about what yeah. order i'm posting xyz abc yeah but i definitely think about how the front nine tiles look anytime you go onto my page i think about alternating like a cosplay post with a picture of a yeah. magic card with versus then a makeup post versus then like a post about products or something you know yeah. like it's very curated is the appropriate word <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really curious about this stuff because even though i'm just an interview podcast i if i if i start doing more video i know i promise you we're not doing we're not doing the video part today <laughs> so don't worry not releasing this on tiktok but like if i did have a tiktok account I'd have to figure out how to do video content. I've seen people do like short form audio podcast content with video and on Insta and on TikTok. And that's something that I might do in the future. So it's cool to hear about like maybe the more the versatility of TikTok. So if I do get on there, um, I could try because for me, my mindset is like, just try stuff and it doesn't, yeah. oh, it's okay. there's no such thing as failure. Like just try it. And if it doesn't work, you just, you just adjust your approach. Right. Um, by the way, I would totally buy your course if you're doing like a, a TikTok course or something. I would, yeah. I would definitely buy that. Like TikTok for MTG. Like just, just put it out there, Zbex. Just do it. That's really interesting because I had a call with a friend of mine who I consider a mentor. She's more of a fashion Instagram poster, and mm -hmm. I was thinking about how I should maybe offer something like that. So it's very ironic. I don't think it's ironic. It's very interesting that you mention it. 
that maybe I will offer something for people. Yeah, I mean, because now that you have such a big platform, you should use the platform to sell um, products and services that I think would actually help people. So there's nothing there. There's there's 100 percent fabulous or wholesome. It's like you know, yeah. people want to like people like me. I'll I I took um, I'm so bad at Twitter. Like I took a I took a Udemy course on Twitter like last last month. You know, just an yeah? online one. Yeah, just how to like okay. how to how to you know build connections on Twitter because now now my mindset is totally different. I don't care about followers on Twitter anymore. I just care about building connections with people and using DMs and things like that, which are totally underexplored for most people on Twitter because people just want to go on Twitter and um, post something that they think will blow up or be snarky. I'll admit, I don't I'm, interact in DMs. I just interact. I interact in the comments. Section. Uh, dude, you've got a million more followers than I do on Twitter. So <laughs> you don't need that course. I'm, I'm just a guy who doesn't know how to dance, doesn't know how to be fabulous. So I, I need all the help I can get. I got, I got to go on the earnest Twitter route. If you, if you know what I mean. So, so for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last question for you. Zbex, what's the best place for people to find you on the internet where you would like to be found? You can find all of my social handles and links for my family's game store, brand partners, my discords, my deck lists, all that stuff. You can find that all at zbex.art. That's C-B-E-X-X dot A-R-T. And you can also follow me on any platform at Zbex, Z-B-E-X-X. So it's very easy to find me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon at Zbex. So, yeah. Do all the follows, but I'll just say on your behalf, please follow Zbex's TikTok first because yes, we need to get her to 100K. 100K. Yes, yes. I do giveaways and stuff all the time i like to reward people so i'm really bad at doing mail but i get it out eventually <laughs> <laughs> i promise you, do you have a do you have an email fall. you don't have an email newsletter where you you send out um photos of yourself or dances or stuff or no i don't i okay. should though i guess if, if somebody wants to be on my email no list. no i'm just i'm just joking if that, that's for <laughs> that's for someone like me who who, who doesn't dance so <laughs> I, I thought about having a newsletter actually. So it's a possibility. Because it's the, only, at- it's, it's the only one where the algorithm can't affect you. It's like the only That's one right. where you have full control over your audience and it will never go away. Email will be here for another like 3000 years. So you this know. is true. This is great advice for anybody. If, if TikTok disappeared tomorrow, if you had email addresses, you'd still have all those connections. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just, a, just a friendly suggestion. Um, thank you so much, Zbex. Thank you so much for sharing kind of your your methodology, your 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 favorite high school teacher. I I truly appreciate you taking the time, and I hope you have a great, fabulous rest of the evening from where you are. Thank you. I will, and thank you so much for having me on as a guest. I'm very honored to be invited, and yes, I'm just very appreciative. Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans of Magic. To support the show, visit humansofmagic.com, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at humansofmagic, and you can also consider supporting us at patreon.com slash humansofmagic. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.